You're listening to the She Lift Project podcast, a show dedicated to helping women achieve higher levels of success in the workplace. No matter where you are in your career, we want to help you grow. Now here's your host, Cynthia Kirkpatrick, a CPA, CFP, and Senior Financial Advisor at Mineta Group. Welcome to the She Lift Project podcast. I'm Cynthia Kirkpatrick, and thanks for joining us today. Today we have Ida Martikainen, who's going to correct me if she if I mispronounce that. She's <laughs> not native to the US, but we'll get to that part of the story. She is a senior consultant at Collaborative Strategies. You and I'm gonna let you speak more about this, but high level, what I could understand is identify, navigate, and implement change according to the goals and the end desires that companies and cultures want. Not only that, again, you're you've been in the US, St. Louis for a couple of years. Your husband's job brought you here, but you always wanted to move. Um, anything additional to that or deeper you want to explain about what you do beyond the layman's terms that I use? And we should also mention all the volunteering you do. Sure, all right. Well, thanks for having me here. This is, um, this is a wonderful way to get to know to a new person. So uh, that's I'm, I'm very excited to, to be here. Um, I don't have any corrections to the pronunciation of my name. That's that's very correct. Right. That's awesome. That's that's good. That's all the way there. Um, and I think like the way you covered what strategy consulting and strategy processes usually um, include, I think that's that's very accurate. That's exactly what I do. I uh, my work is to to help clients, firms, executives, nonprofit leaders to navigate through some of the changes that that they they face and, and create strategies that act as their kind of like compasses for for their futures and and I uh, I consider myself as an advisor in those processes and and help them help them go go through them and then usually help at least a little bit with the what I call implementation uh, phases that kind of come come after the actual actual planning and and very often that's actually really the hard part um, and I'm not saying that strategic planning is easy by any mean but but there's there's a lot of grit and and resilience that's needed to actually implement uh, a lot of those that, a lot of that work so I think that's that what goes, I do I think that goes with anything in life yes. right like yeah I, I I have this, uh, you know, in, in our house or wanting to lose weight or whatever, the idea of having a garage that's beautiful and organized and everything in this place and uh, bikes aren't falling over on each other. The idea is great. Even to look at things online is great, but to actually go in and implement and execute is what's keeping us from having that. Well, there you go. Yeah, and guess what's even harder when you do it once, then you look at your situation, like say six months from the time when you actually made the change and you just might find yourself in, you know, <laughs> phase zero again if if you haven't been really uh, keeping up with everything and, and making sure that things stay in their places. So I think that's a, that's an analogy that works very well with strategic planning as well. Well, that's a great point. But before we jump into all that, yeah. what I what you mentioned and I loved when you reached out to us was we don't know each other. We don't have people who put us in contact. Mm -hmm. Literally, you saw a post on LinkedIn, I think, from my husband about the podcast and you reached out to us 
to build community, to get to know people yep. and to share stories. And that's one piece of the many reasons why we started this over a year ago, maybe close to two years ago. And so well, I'm just getting to know you now, but it, I don't, it, it'll be fun and we'll get to share all the stories and I'm yep. sure people will, will learn a lot along the way. But I just thought that was really neat and unique to be able to get our arms out there and reach new people. And so thank you for, I don't know if having the courage is the right word, but thanks for reaching out to us because this is makes it all more fun and exciting for us. Yeah, it does. And 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 thanks for for um, mentioning that. I uh, Well, I am a newbie in, in a new place and well, I've been here for a few years, but I still think that I'm kind of a newbie, a kind of an outsider still coming to 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 this new town and building my uh, my 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 networks from from several perspectives, but maybe especially from professional perspective. So I guess I'm also in a mindset or mentality of kind of being active right now. And when I see things like that, I um, try to act on them. And I'm happy to, you know, see that sometimes it it, it pays off. Yeah, and I think that's something that we can go back to or deeper in yep. later, for sure. And I, there's a couple notes I've already taken that I want to get into. But I think f- first, or to start getting deeper into what you're doing now, um, explaining to those out there who may not understand what it all means. Do you have an idea or an example or a story of somebody who came to you or somebody you identified and how your company, what was the issue, the problem? How did they come to you? How did you work through it? How would you walk somebody from point one to the end and maybe beyond the end, as you mentioned, you implement, but you need to revisit six months, a year later, so you don't fall into bad old habits. Explain that to us because I don't, other than what you tell me, I don't know exactly what that means or what that would look like. Yeah, no, good. Um, well, I think traditionally, if we um, if we look at what, what management literature says about uh, strategic consulting or, or building strategies in the first place, I think it's usually categorized into, say, two types of shocks, and then they can be either external or, or internal, and then that kind of shock can kind of nudge the firm uh, so that they end up uh, looking at their strategy and 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 looking at the the choices that they've made and maybe they feel that you know something's not enough we're not meeting the mark using this strategy we need to do something so I guess that's the broad picture either internal or external shocks I um, I've been doing work like this for the past 10 ish years. And, and, and what I feel is that more, and this is my personal view, but more or less all of those shocks have external elements right now. I think the external environment is very highlighted in, in, in today's kind of operating environment. Uh, we've all read this from the news. It's, it's very shock prone. It's very volatile. It moves very fast. Very weird things can happen. And this we can look at this in a very broad context and take examples such as the pandemic, the war in Europe, you know, things like that. And these all, these major events all have uh, a lot of effects and a lot of consequences for, for firms. And firms or any kinds of organizations try to navigate this 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 volatile environment and even the shocks that may feel very internal like 
change in leadership or succession in a family-owned business or something like that. I think even those have a lot of external elements right now, because when we jump into a strategy process, uh, we learn that, hey, you know, maybe these external elements need to be need to be looked into more carefully, or maybe we start to understand that our competitive field is changing, or maybe we even understand that this firm used to kind of belong to this category, but now the whole environment has changed so that actually that's not our category anymore. If we take like a manufacturing example, maybe we have a firm that has been manufacturing, you know, something out of say, you know, rubber or something like that, industrial components out of rubber, and that has been their bread and butter. And and now it might be, this is just, just a random example, but now it might be that their category is not, you know, manufacturing things anymore. It might be that they are jumping into being a rubber technology company and all of a sudden implementing all kinds of te- technological components becomes a very strategic question for them. And, and that's an example of situation when, you know, my team might jump in and, and help them to make those choices. A good good strategy for me in the end is a set of choices. And it sounds overly simple, but I think it's good that it sounds overly simple because that's kind of true in the end. It is a set of choices. And when you make the choices, you also ch- choose something out. You choose not to do certain things. And that's very, very important when, it, when you're doing any strategic decisions, understanding that you cannot do everything. It's placing the bets placing the bets to positions where we believe we will see the biggest impact. And that's very, very hard. And 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 I think that my role as an advisor can be to help their thinking and make sure that kind of all corners are covered. And with the experience that I bring in, very often I feel that I can help executives especially look at the external trends more carefully and and pay a little bit more attention to the environment. How do you help them do that? So they come to you, a company, and says, I want, we need help. There's an issue, there's a shock. Yeah. Does the team go in and just start asking a ton of questions? Do you do research? I mean, these are companies that you're, it's not your day-to-day bread and butter Mm -hmm. business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how do you... And, and I, well, a couple of things, I'm talking too much here. I can imagine many of them are thinking, well, yeah, we need help, mm-hmm. but it's a lot of money and is it really worth mm-hmm. it? So for those that are thinking out there, potentially they're on the fence of, of needing help. How is it that you come in and and break through and get into the knit and grit and help them? Is it by asking a lot of questions? Uh, yes, it is. Uh, asking a lot of questions is definitely a, key part of it. Um, usually there's um, the asking a lot of questions part in practice. Now I'm talking in very concrete terms. It can mean setting up a set of interviews with the key people. And if we want to, usually actually we want to uh, cover more people than just kind of like a handful. Maybe we will have a, a survey or maybe we will have a set of focus groups or something like that to understand what's going on in people's minds. Of course, that's a way to engage the people into the process as well. Uh, at least to have to give them some sort of understanding that, you know, 
we are thinking these things right now, this is ongoing right now, and then maybe later on when the whole strategy is ready and the kind of implementation phase can begin, they already have some sort of a thought at the back of their head that, hey, that was the reason why we had that focus group back then or something like that. So that's the asking a lot of questions part. And of course, we usually have like a key group of people who've initiated the the whole project. It can be the CEO, it can be some other people in the C-level. With family businesses, it very often includes ownership. At least it should include ownership. <laughs> it's, it's it's not a problem if it doesn't. And, and then having a lot of face time with these people is also part of the asking a lot of questions because they are really the key people in decision making. So that's one part. And then the other part is maybe the kind of more traditional management consulting part of it, crunching a lot of data that they have. And and the kind of good and bad part of crunching a lot of data is that we're always looking a little bit, you know, in the back mirror because that's where the data comes from. That's the only way to really look at the data, uh, but that's very important. That's that's very important in 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 the way we understand the certain decisions that they've made and certain consequences that those decisions have had. But I think again, this is my personal view that it's it's really crucial to kind of understand your, yourself that that is looking to the back mirror and that doesn't necessarily give us the answers of what the future is going to be like and now i go back to the very volatile environment you know things that have worked out for the past five or ten years or something are not necessarily the success recipes for the future because the world is as it is at the moment but those are the two kind of core elements that me and, and 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 the teams that I work with do when we kind of kick off the strategic planning. And I also want to say that you're absolutely right that we are not the experts of the business. And like in terms of I'm not an expert on on you know advanced manufacturing. I'm not an expert on certain raw materials and I'm not even trying to be an expert in that. But uh, I can bring an external point of view. I think that's very important. And I hopefully I'm an expert in uh, combining data and finding trends out of that data. Maybe that's part of uh, offering an external point of view, kind of looking at their stuff from maybe a step above or something like that. But they are the ones who bring in the expertise in particular subjects. Yeah, and I think that goes back to the questions, asking questions. And not only, you know, often if you have this hurdle, everyone internally has been thinking about it, trying to get past that hurdle themselves for so long. But if you really want to go above and beyond, oftentimes it's bringing in, you know, I think both business-wise, but you think personally a coach, mm -hmm. um, you know, performance coach, anybody who will try to help you get beyond that mindset. If you're in the nitty gritty all the time, it's very hard to take a step back and, you know, assess and bring that data in a very objective way. And I yep. imagine that's probably where you can come in and really excel with the companies is that right there. And then the implementation and execution, those two pieces. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And um, the anal analogy to anybody's personal life, I don't think that's even too far fetched. In the business context, 
I think I even mentioned this at my um, last job interview when I was interviewing the disposition where I am right now. I think that very often a strategy advisor kind of acts as a as a psychologist or, you know, as a coach to an executive. And I think that's a really important part of it. And that's maybe the softer part of it or something like that. But I think it's almost of equal importance to all the crunching, uh, the data crunching and all the kind of objective analysis, which is important too. But um, understanding that, that, that leadership position Maybe especially in smaller firms where the executives don't necessarily have large networks of peers close to them or processes to help them accelerate their thinking. It just might be that you know that's their first kind of sparring partner that they've had in a long, long time. And I think there's a value of that having that sparring partner for sure. I like how you you uh, you created that visual there, sparring partner. Yeah. I feel, you know, think of people in a boxing ring or exactly. you know, just that person who's going to push you into the uncomfortable, who's going to maybe uh, smack you up a little bit. Yep, yep. <laughs> in, a, in a genuine, uh, well-intentioned manner. Exactly. But you need that. Did that, when you got into all this, did that surprise you that that was a big piece of your, how you help people? Companies? Probably a little bit, yes. So I've I've come into this this industry or this work maybe through a little unusual route. I uh, so I have a master's in 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 business and and econ, and a very typical route for for management consulting would be to jump into one of those big firms and take an internship when you graduate and then kind of go from there. But I didn't do any of that. I I wasn't even that into consulting at that point, to be honest. I wanted to go to a startup. I was in Helsinki back then, and this was more than 10 years ago. So I went to a startup. There was a lot of startup booming, startups booming in Helsinki at that time. It was a big, big, big deal. They were building the startup infrastructure at that time and it was awesome to be part of that and um at some point i i mean it's a whole there's a lot of stories about being there but i'm not i'm trying to stay uh out of that right 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 now <laughs> not for any other reason except that just to get 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 my story moving further um but i enjoyed my time there and then at some point i realized i want to do something else and the reason why I realized I want to do something else was mostly that I missed having lateral support. I missed having colleagues who were maybe having similar problems. Maybe I could, you know, look for examples. Those people are doing like that. They are running their projects like that. Maybe I could do something similar because I was in a startup where I was covering a certain role and mostly everybody else, you know, were doing other things. In the beginning, they were all engineers and I was the only commercial person. When I left, we had built a commercial organization as well. So that wasn't the situation anymore at that point. But still, I felt I needed more lateral or horizontal support. So I jumped to consulting. And the way I did it, I jumped to a firm that in Helsinki has very long roots. Um, and this means actually not that long. I don't mean like decades back or hundreds of years back, but has firm roots. Maybe that's a better expression. Um, and um, it's kind of known for their strong 
leadership figures. They have very strong backgrounds in the European politics, in Finnish politics. And that firm had a core in communications, PR and PA. And that firm was moving from that to more traditional management consulting. And that was the time when I jumped in. I ended up spending there for almost six years or something like that. And that was a, in that particular firm, it was a very long time. We did a whole lot of things and accelerated the change. But my point to your original question is that because of my my first years in consulting were so close to communications and PR and and PA and advocacy and all that, I think the sparring partner part kind of grew into me very naturally because communications was so appreciated, if this makes sense. So PA, PR, public relations, most yes. people know PA. That's public it? advocacy. Okay. Yeah. And you said in communications, sp- just what you said, sparring more lends itself more to that. Why is that? Or is there, is there a story, a certain situation that would help explain that to those yeah, listening? Yeah, I think it, it meant that our clientele back in Helsinki originally came us for different comms projects, different communications related projects. It could mean external communications, maybe more what PR is about and also PA, but also projects that entailed the internal communications of any firm. And that internal comms part was kind of our first first kind of foot onto which we started to build our more traditional management consulting type of approach because we had that foot in those companies already it in practice it meant that we worked with the executives in for example in change situations when they had to um you know do something unpleasant maybe they had to lay somebody off maybe they had to make some changes maybe they needed to uh i don't know close a facility something like that or maybe they were doing something nicer maybe they were expanding maybe they changed their strategy so that they were able to hire new say digital teams or something like that and communications was a key part of the change management that in that is involved like naturally in these these types of projects so our people were their trusted advisors the executives trust, trusted advisors in these matters and very often these executives kind of ended up using me or my colleagues back there as sparring partners i don't know if it makes sense but like we were hired to help them work with their internal communications so i think the bridge from that to being their psychologist if 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 that's the term we use here um i think that bridge is shorter sometimes at least than from very traditional management consulting where we are very numbers focused uh, doing a change project uh, at a very top level, trying to do something big and move some large functions around or do an M&A project or something like that, where we have kind of a lot going on. And communications usually is a smaller piece 
in that because the operations and finance and all of that can take a bigger chunk of, of that traditional approach. And, and we were on the comms side. So I just think that the bridge to their kind of advising them on a very personal level is shorter. And that's what we did. And that's how I grew into consulting. So for me, doing that sparring isn't such a weird thing at all. And now when I'm in this firm here, uh, I think that's, that's, uh, that's kind of very natural part of what I bring in and what kind of an advisor I want to be. And, but if you don't yeah. challenge, and that's where yeah. maybe I'm wrong, I'm thinking of sparring. I'm mm -hmm. taking it as challenging, but challenging in a in a environment where you want to be better. Yeah, exactly. So in a positive way, but if we don't challenge or go against the grain, maybe, you're not going, I don't think you could get the best version yeah. of what the outcome. I agree. I absolutely agree. I think challenging is a key part of, of being a sparring partner. It's very key to it. Gosh, so much of what we're talking about here, and I'm sure <laughs> we'll get through it in the podcast, is not only what you do and what Collaborative Strategies does in your history, but I keep thinking internal, internal. Like you need a sparring partner to challenge you. You need, whether it's your own mindset or others, mentors. You talked about mm -hmm. wanting more people in your first startup job to bounce ideas off of and learn from. Um, looking back in the mirror, it won't give you the answers for the future. So we'll maybe at some point, we'll see if it goes there, transcend over to personal growth but sure. as you're speaking all of that in order to get a company or a culture to grow and get better you need to do those any any projects that you've worked on through the years that either one really stands out and you're really proud of or one you thought this is never going to work but it did like any any good meaty stories that we can share uh for the people listening to <laughs> ah i get it yeah, there's there's a lot of stories. Um, well, something that I could pick up again. This is something I did back in back in Helsinki. We we worked with um with American company who were um they were doing like a market expansion, and Helsinki was their first European market, and I was leading that project for two years or two and two years six months or something like that. And uh, that was a really, really big learning experience for me. We did a whole lot uh, during those uh, two years. We started the project with, with building a launch. They maybe came to us tiny bit too late, which is not very unusual, to be <laughs> honest. <laughs> like, it's, uh, we, we, I don't know, some way, somehow, and I ended up into this, this uh, situation where we should be launching in three weeks and we haven't really done anything. Like, can you help us? Can you help us? And um, so the whole collaboration. What was, your, what was the emotions behind that? I bet. Uh, well, I think I'm, I have a pretty thick skin to uh, all of that, uh, doing this kind of long enough and understanding that very, I don't think it's anybody's, like ideal, like in the client side. It's not any client's ideal situation that we will plan this internally as long as possible and we already know that we're not gonna make it. And then we will bring an external partner as late as possible. Like nobody wants to do that, of course not. But some way, somehow, for whatever internal reasons they have, they end up in a situation when they've tried and tried and tried and then they realize kind of too late that they need to bring in somebody. And that's natural. And I think that's part of this job and, and, and 
I accept that. So they brought you in. So they brought us in like into a full blown hassle. Like uh, there was a lot of moving parts at that point. Uh, It was exciting, of course, you know, also from from the perspective that it what this was in 2018 i believe when this started and um like said uh i was leading the team again i'm still not super super old so you know back then i was even younger so this was a big big experience for me so i was i was excited um and everybody who were doing it were were excited but the launch was the the kind of first part of it and then uh we worked with them uh for a long time after the launch too uh for various phases of 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 their of their um market entry uh because it wasn't i mean it was kind of they did it like piece by piece that the- do you think it's hard for american companies to move into different cultures like finland europe and launch i think it can be hard for any companies to move to another to another culture i yeah i yes from cultural perspective of course there were there were some some struggles i think that the biggest kind of um recipe for success because this this it turned out to be a really good collaboration and 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 i think that that the the first weeks of our hassle there together and they didn't really have any team in Finland back then so we were really the only people working there and we were an external partner so it 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 built trust it built a whole lot of trust and that was really the the foundation for all future success because when we brought in observations when we brought in any anything that we feel that is relevant for the Finnish market, uh, especially, I felt we were taken fairly seriously and and they were able to make make some of the changes. But but yes, it is hard from, you know, corporate culture perspective, because a lot of the things like even though they might understand very well on personal level that, you know, this is a different this is a different cultural environment. We shouldn't do this or that, or our our um, market access style in this or that doesn't work. It might be that it's still very hard to actually make any changes on a corporate level. Uh, it's so there was a lot of there's 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 several kind of um, stopping points, <laughs> you know, where where it might stop and 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 then and having like uh, somebody who understands what you're talk ha- talking about is only the first step of actually making any difference. So I did learn that that even though the team that worked with us was kind of very on board with our observations and and our market intel, it still didn't always mean that all of this is going to be implemented into their actual approach because of all the baggage and everything that that the corporate culture brings and this is a this is a mega mega company this is a huge huge uh corporation so so size probably brings another level to this right right like a a bigger ship versus something smaller it's really hard to turn it (laughs) yeah exactly and like even like not necessarily there's an intention to turn it, it, it might be that the whole market access plan is kind of built into the idea that we will do this similarly in every place. 
like more or less. I mean, of course, we will uh, change the marketing material, language, things like that. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about how we want to, okay, we need to pilot the service, how we work with the people. This might be completely different what the Finns expect versus what some people in, say, a nation country expects. And Finnish, Finland is a very pro-transparency country, so that's definitely a one kind of piece of it, I think. In this particular project, uh, that was a, a lot of the intel that we brought brought them to understand that the Finnish people appreciate when firms are able to be as transparent as possible about their intentions. So maybe let's bring that back to Ida, mm-hmm. younger, sure. younger in Finland. Mm-hmm. And how does she, how does young Ida know what she wants to do or go into? No, she doesn't. She, <laughs> she, she has no idea. So it's very normal. Anybody who's listening yes. or watching. Yes. Uh, and even, I mean, everybody. Any age. Right. They know how age, age related thing. Um, no, I, I think like I... For a very long time, even when I decided to go to business school and do my master's and after and when I went to the startup and and when I did go to consulting, I, and this is something that I've, you know, felt bad about for a long time, I haven't had a master plan. Like, I haven't had the plan of like, that's where I'm going to. I've just ended up doing things that has felt, have felt right at the moment. And uh, now I might be a little bit more aware of kind of what's out there and and what different choices will mean and what kind of consequences they have. So I still probably won't, I still really don't have like any master master plan. I, uh, I can tell you that, but I have a little bit more of something like that than what I had in the past. But... That being said, I think that's a thing that you shouldn't really force. It maybe comes and it maybe doesn't. And you can have a very, very successful career, even though you sometimes feel that you have no idea what you're doing. And and that's I think that's fine. Of course, I mean, I, I have, you know, values that drive me or and I have principles that drive me. I've always been a fairly driven person and I get a lot of done. And when I commit to something, I want to do it like full on and deliver great quality but i but i just haven't had that like in 10 years i will be there or in 15 years i will be that person so you mentioned having principles and values that drive you what are those so yeah these are maybe more principles than than actual like values but um firstly i think what this sounds a little lame but I, I, I really truly believe that we have to be able to take in failures and, and go for things that have high risk of failure. And, and we have to be able to deal with the emotions that come out of it. And to me, the worst emotion is embarrassment. If I could like easily avoid all embarrassment, <laughs> <laughs> there is a huge attraction for me to do that. And I know that that's not the right thing to do. But there is, it's a very attractive option to to avoid all kinds of embarrassment. I mean, all 
all failures come with some dissatisfaction, it comes with sadness, it comes with emotions like this, but embarrassment to other people's eyes, that's the worst for me, for whatever reason, but that is. And I've just decided that I will do things that might lead to a situation where I will, will feel embarrassed and then I will just feel that and that's that. And just I have to deal with that. That's, that's I just have to. To, to be able to do things I want to do in life. So that's one thing. And uh, another thing is that I, 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 I'm a grinder. I, accept, I appreciate hard work. I, I believe that you can't really achieve big things without appreciating hard work. And that's, that's definitely me. I, I, I feel that that's, uh, that's, that's probably very American. I think this is very American way of thinking, appreciating grinding. So maybe I'm in the right place uh, for, for that. And then thirdly, and these are not in any particular order. It might be that this third one is the most important one. Uh, but I appreciate curiosity and, and I want to be the person who really curiously just drives into new areas or new industries or new verticals to to kind of understand the logics there and this doesn't have to apply only to business but but kind of everything and i want to be the the one who can learn new skills at you know whatever age or whatever uh situation in life so those are at least three three driving principles that I so have. So this might be putting you on the spot. And I agree with you. Failure, <laughs> ooh, very hard for me. Yeah. Embarrassment, extremely Terrible. hard for me. But I've also learned that if you want to grow and get beyond, you have to take those risks and learn. If you if you fail and don't learn, then that's the true failure. Yeah. But failing and learning and failing forward, as they talk about, failing fast. Would it be okay or fair for me to ask was there a time or more than one that sticks out in your mind of a failure or an embarrassment that you look back and you wouldn't be the Ida that you are today or where you're at today or you know maybe either thank goodness that happened in one way or the other whether it's good or you know I mean there's been things that I would I redo them yeah. would I change them mm -hmm. maybe, maybe a uh, little bit yeah yeah yes there definitely are I, um, when I started uh, at my first consulting position, after my startup years, I did not know what consultants do. And I, I think I even admitted that at an interview. I wouldn't probably do that, by the way, anymore. <laughs> <laughs> for several reasons but for whatever reason they still hired me and this was well, back. is that a finish thing it, no you talk it's about not finish? it's needs a me thing it's 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 just so a me we thing. like to be transparent and, yeah and i thought well is that i might take that a little too far apparently <laughs> so anyway when i when i did start there after my startup years and this this must have been uh 2015 or 2016 or something yeah um i got to a great start I got to work with a lot of clients, that was awesome, and I was very open to all kinds of professional development and just taking in whatever came to me. And like I mentioned earlier, the firm was really growing and, and it was really in the need of good project managers at that point, because we had fairly young people working uh, and 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 it was important that we had a good pool of project managers who really can run projects on their own. So I wanted to be in that position, obviously. And 
I did get there fairly soon, to be honest, and uh, I was running projects on my own, and that was great. And then one project did not go well. It did not go well. Why is that, do you think? Uh, nothing happened. Like, I didn't, you know, mess anything up or anything like that with the client, but the, the material that we created, the strategic material that we created just wasn't good enough. The thinking wasn't good enough. And that was really hard for me, for somebody criticizing that, you know, my strategic thinking is not good enough. And actually, that was a colleague who pointed that out uh, in a very respectful manner, by the way. And uh, we, and that was a really big learning experience for me over overall. Uh, but I remember that was a very hard situation when somebody criticized my my thinking and my strategic abilities and of course i dwelled in that for you know a few maybe a week too long or, or something like that and then i decided that you know what i will learn this you know one way or another i will not only learn but be at least as good as the person who criticized me and because I really appreciated this person's thinking, and I still do, and we're friends nowadays, and and and, and I still look very much high, uh, very much up into to to her, and uh, I so I I really wanted to take it like that. Of course, I was personally insulted too, but I wanted to, you know, drift away from that and try to focus on the on the good stuff and try to focus on the development stuff of it, and I think that eventually. And of everything that happened after that has really been the best learning experience that I've had. So really the best advice that I've had in my career has been to just learn to think better, which sounds ridiculous. It sounds like, 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 you know, what? Like just vague advice of like, think better. What does that even mean? But, but I... I've spent a whole lot of time learning to think better. And I think it's a fair advice. And I keep saying that to, you know, younger professionals too. maybe trying to give a little bit context into it because I feel like I had to kind of develop the context myself and kind of understand what it means myself. So maybe I'm trying to, you know, offer them a little bit more to more to chew, so to say, but it really has been probably the best advice. And I'm still trying to think better every day. And how, I, how do you do that? Like if, if, you know, we think back to somebody who's 20 something versus 30 something versus 40 something, how do you, what do you do? What are the skills? How do you build that to think better? Well, I mean, maybe in, in strategic, um, strategic planning context, to me, certain, of course, there's like models and there's frameworks that can help out a little bit. Like if you think about, if you take some of the traditional like uh, strategic planning frameworks or something like that and just try to understand, okay, like I have this firm, like into which box does this firm like fit into this particular situation? Those all can be helpful tools, like in terms of like, what's their what's their differentiating factor what's what what are their competitors to, what's 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 the what's the business where they are at but maybe the most kind of basic again in this context of planning maybe the most basic question is just to kind of define like what 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 can this company be like 
like, is it... Well, I like to think it through the category. Like, what's their category? What is their business? And is it the same than what it's been? Or is it something new? And then, then just kind of go from there. So um, it sounds like don't start narrow yeah. and try to widen, start bigger, yeah. broader, and then try to narrow in yes. on where it yes. should be. But also thinking outside of kind of that mirror, right? What they've always been or what might be right in front of our faces that makes sense. But what's broader that could yeah. fit or you rule out. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then you need to narrow it down. And I feel that this is, well, this is a skill that's like never there. Probably you can always be better at, you know, thinking better. It's 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 really never there. But right now where I am at, I feel I'm sometimes struggling with kind of finding the right scope. I some I sometimes go too wide uh -huh. and then everybody are like, you know, what 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 the heck are you talking about? Like what like uh, I'm too conceptual. And then then I'm then I understand that now I'm being too conceptual and then I narrow it down and then I'm in the nitty-gritty. So there is a balance and I think it's just lifelong practice and I have a whole bunch of career left and thank God it's not over because <laughs> what, what would I do then? <laughs> yeah, I think from, I mean, we've, I've heard it called a million times scope creep where you just let other things all of a sudden get yes. into that project and into that scope, which can dilute your effectiveness and what you achieve. Yes. But then I think about that, learn to think better. A lot of things that you talked about already is, you know, have people that you can brainstorm with talk with you know so early on in your career at the startup you maybe couldn't learn as much and gain more experience quicker if that's even a possibility but because you didn't have others around you in that role to feed off yeah. of and learn from yeah so i think of learning to think better having those around you but sparring you brought up sparring so learning to think better is probably having those people who are challenging you to think differently so if you Absolutely. surround yourself with people who only think like you then not that you have to change your way of thinking but are you really thinking better yep if you don't uh seek out new information or think about building a business i don't want everybody in every role to be just like me mm-hmm because I want them to, there's, I want skill sets to be different. I want them to bring, we can be better together as a team versus one person or everybody being uh, the same way. Yep, exactly. Yep. So that's probably, I mean, I don't know about you, but I listen to a lot of audiobooks when I run, um, I don't know, like you said, experience and age and trying new things and failing. I would imagine all of those, and maybe you have some more that would go into learning to think better. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that all of all of that <laughs> it really, really is about that. And if I would go, if I would have some advice to the Ida who 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 worked at the startup, I I I'd encourage her to be more active in searching for external support, like searching for mentors or going into some networks and not going in because of just, you know, knowing somebody, but to really go in and challenge yourself and be there and be really open and have those good conversations and, and have the lateral support like that, because I think it's very much possible. It just requires a whole lot. And, and I somehow couldn't see that at that point. I felt like I am in this position, especially in the beginning when I when I went almost straight from school, not not right, not straight, but but almost straight from school. Um, I felt like I am in this position and I need to be able to cover this area and this whole 
freaking firm is, you know, relying on me in this area. So I need to know what I'm doing. And and in the end, like it's 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 much better to be really honest, maybe like kind of sometimes painfully honest to yourself that you know this, you know that, but really these these three things you don't know. You need to go out and and search for support. And and I've had a mentor in the past. I I, I actually when I when I uh, moved here, I have a mentor here. It's this this is not so much work related. It's more about uh, I think originally it was called like a, having a city mentor or having you know somebody. This is a this is a program for international people coming to St. Louis. So 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 that that's that. But but I've had a, a professional mentor too uh, back in Helsinki, and that was awesome. And I've been a mentor. I've been a mentor to to startups through an accelerator program. That's something I still do every now and then. And I've uh, I've been to a mentor uh, to a couple of, of 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 newer professionals, and especially the one mentoring relationship we had. Uh, she worked at a startup. And and she understood something I didn't understand back then. And she was super good at searching for help. And she wanted to work with me on certain things. And and I think, I hope at least, that it was very helpful for her. Uh, but I think she was doing exactly the right things. And and she was very strategic in planning those meetings with me, for instance. I had to only step in and answer her questions. And she had a bunch of great questions. And, and it was really her initiative to work together. And she was very good at that. So, you know, kudos to her. And, and that would be really my advice to myself going back. Yeah, it sounds like a self-assessment. So an honest and true self-assessment to say, this is what I'm good at, but here's where the holes are. And that's okay, as long as I try to find a way yeah. to help bridge that gap or fill it and it's mentors, it's reading, yeah. it's whatever it might exactly, be. Exactly, exactly. And I'm even now, like I do, like even though I have uh, all these years in consulting, I acknowledge that that my years in, in Helsinki were, it was really in a firm that had a very strong comes heart or soul so to say so again there is a gap to what i do right now i mean we are right now i do more i don't like the word traditional management consulting because it sounds like used to i did these cool projects and now i do something <laughs> boring which is not true at all but anyway i'm more in the what what still somebody would define as traditional strategy consulting or something like that so of course there's a gap and of course some of the skills that are required in my current position and and the current projects that i work with i I need to, you know, develop them all the time. And sometimes I feel like I should be there. I should be better at this. And then I feel embarrassed. And then that's horrible. And then I just have to deal with that. And and but that's 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 really part of part of development. And I think that's something very natural to me. That's something that I need to, you know, keep my energy up. Because well, we we moved here, and I mean that was. That was like our my reason to to leave the company where I was. But I'm glad you brought that up because it, I wanted to get to yeah, that. Yeah, as go to ahead. Yeah, sorry. How, I, no, I, yeah, talk too much. No, let's talk through that because yeah. how did you you came here a couple of years ago? Yeah. Dirt. Well, really, that's during the pandemic or yep. right after the heat. Of right. It, I guess. Yep. Uh, how did that come about? How did you? get over here and why and, yep. and emotions around that were you excited were you afraid is it some of both it's uh, it's not a very typical route to move from helsinki to st louis there might be i found a group of Finns 
from Facebook and there's maybe 12 people in the group. So it's not, this is just to, to, to make a point that it's not very typical to move from, from Finland to here. Um, we moved during the pandemic. We were supposed to come a year earlier. Uh, Henry, my husband, got the position already late in 2019 and we were supposed to move in 2020. Well, we didn't for obvious reasons. And that 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 was a really weird year in both of our lives because we really didn't know if we're moving at all. We couldn't get the visas. There were a whole bunch of reasons why coming here was impossible. And um, even when summer 21 kind of closed, getting closer and closer, and that was kind of our last shot. Like now we move, or then this is this is not gonna work out because we were in a limbo stage for a year. Like just waiting if something happens and that 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 wasn't the nice place to be yet so at least like emotionally we felt that this is our last shot so in june 21 still nothing like we're like you know who knows probably we're not going july 21 we get a notification from the embassy that we have an interview we were like fine we're going to the embassy for an interview Even at that point, I was super skeptical. It, I mean, normally when you get an interview time at the embassy, then you're getting a visa and then that's it. Is that the U.S. embassy? Yeah, U.S. In embassy Finland. in Finland, okay. yeah. Uh, but even, I mean, after our year of being in a limbo stage, I was very skeptical even after getting the interview time. We're like, yeah, well, we'll see, you know, what happens. Well, we got the visas. At that time, you needed a special permit to access the country and da da da, all kinds of weird things, pandemic rules. Um, and then after we got the visas, so my husband he he got a professorship at WashU. That was our original reason for moving. And then at the university, after we got the visas, they felt that well, you know, maybe you could come now when the semester starts. So there's two weeks. And we're like, yeah, sure. You know, this is going exactly by the book. First, we sit here for a year without doing anything, and then we move in two weeks. So that was a slightly chaotic time of our lives. We sold the apartment. We in Helsinki, we sold most of our stuff, and we moved here with four luggages, and that's it. And we came, and we didn't have a have apartment. We lived with a friend. Then we lived in two different Airbnbs. When then we finally get our apartment. And uh, we started to settle in. And I didn't have a work permit in the beginning because we came through my husband's work. So I had to wait for my work permit for a while, which meant uh, taking a gap year. And that was an interesting experience to, you know, take some time off. At first I was excited. Uh, consulting is pretty, the workload is not exactly light. So uh, at first I was relieved to be able to take some time off. And then maybe in six months I was like, You know, something better happen soon. And I ended up waiting a year and uh, we then we got our green cards and now we're permanent residents. So it's it's way, way better now when we're not in a, any administrative process. So what are the differences? What, what shocked you coming over here to um, the United States? There's a lot of different contexts where we can find, you know, what shocked me. But in, <laughs> in terms of... In terms of cities, maybe first, Helsinki is a fairly tight-knit city with great public transportation, 
it's a very urban place nowadays and we lived in the city center uh, in downtown without having a car for years and we moved around you know we biked a lot we used public transport the metro is great and then coming to a whole different place which is kind of built built based on everybody owning at least at least one car and even that is not enough <laughs> for, for a couple so that was a, that was a change for sure for the first year we were here without a car i would not recommend that to anybody doesn't make any sense but but that's what we did and 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 uh, so that, that 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 was one big difference in terms of just how to go around and 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 what kind of um what kind of um uh city you're living in um and then of course in the business context there's 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 a lot of there's a whole lot of differences um i think i'm 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 pretty positive about how things are here i i i think i've found my place very nicely right now i'm in a really good firm i i enjoy a lot to to work there and I, I I really like my colleagues I work with the smartest people I can imagine that's that's awesome and 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 all that so I'm in a really good good place but like in a larger context for sure the working life is more flexible in the Nordic countries like that's that's the that's the expectation and and that 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 really is true I again my uh, flexibility is great. I'm I'm very happy with with where I am at. But like in a larger context, for sure that that culture is more flexible. They have a long, long history of very long summer vacations, and that's a big, big thing in Finland. And that's what Finns always ask me: that how can you be without having four weeks off in a row? Because that's what Finns do. And there's a whole lot of memes in the internet how a Nordic person disappears to their summer cottage, and then you know their international colleagues are trying to reach that person and there they are in the summer cottage in the middle of middle of nature so 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 it is it is different and then the whole vacation stuff is is very different here and and there's no culture of being away for for you know weeks and weeks in a row so so that's 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 just different for me uh this has a lot of implications but one thing that is not necessarily so bad. What I've learned is that I cannot build my life so that I wait for a vacation. You know, I cannot, my schedule cannot be so tight that I can push one more week, I can push one more month, and then my vacation comes, and then I just recover for the first 10 days, just, you know, barely alive, and, and then I will have a nice vacation afterwards. Like, I cannot be, like, that's not possible. You have to have more balanced life when you know that your vacations you will have vacations but they're shorter ones kind of here and there and they balance out the whole whole palette and then and, and instead of disappearing to the woods for for <laughs> four or five weeks so and i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing and again also i'm a big prom- proponent of those long long vacations i'm sure that like psychologically it makes a whole lot of sense for people to have the time when they can wind down and really get get out of the work work themselves and work minds and 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 clean their palettes so to say but but um 
uh, in this type of profession when there's uh, it's very easy to start thinking so that I'll take one more project because I, because I know that my five weeks are starting soon. I take one more thing. I can push just a little harder and then you start your vacation very exhausted. And I think that then again, it's not a, it's not healthy. Yeah, I think with with technology and that need for whatever reason here to push, push, push and made to feel selfish if you say wait a minute I need some things for me that you just have to show up to the office earlier stay longer work through lunch etc etc it's very short-sighted when you think about the long run because you're going to burn yourself out you're not going to have I think you talked about learn to think better Mm -hmm. well if you don't sleep if you don't have time away you're not going to think think about like no 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 (laughs) if you're in the I I tell I've told people this uh I'm sure somebody else came up with this at one point but I think about talking about cars and I don't know what the what the meter is but I guess it's looking at the rpms Uh of the engine and if you're in the red for too long Uh like I'm teaching my 14 year old is now asking some questions about driving it's like well you can go up there a little bit Mm -hmm. but you really need to let your vehicle come back down because if you stay in that red all the time the car's just going to stop working or it won't be as efficient or whatever it might be and it's going to cost you more money and time down the road so it's exactly the same it's exactly the same yep Yep, and I appreciate uh, a lot on like what what the Finns and the Nordic countries in general are doing for work-life uh, balance and and flexibility. Right now, I think they're doing a lot of uh, you know great work there on a very systemic level too, like how the societies are trying to balance and how the societies are trying to say offer possibilities for families to divide their um, uh, time off with small kids better than what they did in the past when everything was very heavily relying on the mother now it's very much more possible to you know for the dad to take time off too and the society is kind of normalizing the dads to 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 stay stay out uh, from work for for some months and and, and or even a year or something totally crazy um, and 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 and, and and all that and of course like offering support too so so that's that's an example of the kind of larger narrative that's going on in the nordic countries right now and i believe uh that some researchers and some groups here in the us are following that very carefully for instance and trying to you know get some some marks from there of course the change here is it it's harder for several reasons. It's a big country. It's built very differently. Uh, the, the the cultural baggage is very different than and and the way uh, we think about um, vacations, for instance, is just very different. So so for Nordic countries, having that background with those uh, long vacations and long maternity leaves and all that, I think it's a very nice soil uh, for them to to uh, build build on that. So. Yeah, that's yeah the, the U.S. is, I, I kind of figure it's it's so different and varied and big that uh, you have so many different cultures melted together. It's yeah. almost like the European U- no, Union exactly. or something yeah. put all together. Yes. And I'm sure, not being an expert in Europe, that the way Italy does things is different than Spain or Portugal. It's different than, different. Yeah. but trying to figure out a way. And what I, I think there's a lot of work on this and a lot of the podcasts have been about this, especially for women who are also moms is talking about you said socializing or normalizing that men are parents too Mm -hmm. and if you're both working men should also take on more of that home 
parental responsibility yep. than they do. So it certainly sounds like in the Nordic countries, they're further along. I think they are maybe further, yeah. Many of us here <laughs> would wish we are. Yeah, I think they're further. I mean, it's it's not like everything is ready either. There's a lot of work too, but but in this context of, of, of comparison, uh, they are further. For sure. Yeah, it's a big cultural change. It's a big world change. Yes. You know, of hundreds of years of the mom stayed home, the husband worked within the last, I would say, even 10 to 15 years where women are really more prevalent in those higher level roles in companies or starting their own businesses. It's going to take time to, like you do with companies, right? Move that big ship. Exactly. And that ship has been sedentary and, and that, you know, so to get the inertia to get it moving, I think will take a long time. And one of the things you had written about was that you never felt like you were constrained or had obstacles for being mm -hmm. a woman, whether in Finland or mm -mm. the few years you've been here mm -hmm. and been able to work. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Do you think that's a cultural thing or something you wrote here is just maybe you just never paid attention to it yeah good question good very good question i i was thinking about that a lot uh before i got here it it might be that i just really haven't paid that much attention um look i i've always like i said i appreciate hard work i appreciate grinding i appreciate curiosity and i appreciate going for those failures and I know that in certain contexts, I I might be considered, you know, differently because I'm a woman or something like that. But I just ignore a lot of that stuff, um, either so that I don't even notice that, you know, I I ignore ignoring, so to say, or purposefully just decide to kind of leave it out. I feel it's it's slowing. It might be slowing me down. It's just it's irrelevant and I try not to focus on that. And this doesn't mean that I wouldn't, you know, be aware of what happens, you know, around me or I wouldn't be aware of how other women, a lot of women uh, experience these things. I think it's very, definitely very true and it's very much happening and it's, it's, a, it's a massive problem. But like for me personally, I, I've just chosen the way to, to to just do my thing and and if somebody has a you know problem with that then let's talk you know i'm i'm good at debating you know <laughs> i i never turn down a great debate that's that's awesome and by the way that there's never a debate like nobody ever wants to actually you know cause any conflict on on those things so it's very subtle something in the right you know of course um but that being said I have witnessed with my clients situations when I'm in a management team and maybe there's in their management team, there's only one or two women and it's clear that they need to, they need to do something, some extra to be able to kind of match with the group. And, and sometimes it's honestly just, just really sad and just really it shouldn't be like that they i've seen people who've clearly women who've clearly created a, some sort of role for themselves to somehow match uh, with the energy of the group and 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 i mean this is my this is my analysis like sure i'm not a psychologist but but i've, I've been to situations where it's pretty obvious that okay this is you know the person is like a 
you know, this woman's like uh, created like uh, this role of being a kind of like a pit bull, you know, kind of going after every single thing and just pointing out that da da da, and and I again my analysis, but I felt that that's that's her survival mechanism or a coping mechanism into that situation where she feels that she needs to do something to be taken seriously. So, you know, I'm not blind. I, I see these things around me. And the more I work with executives, the more I more I get to witness this. But me personally, uh, probably partly ignoring, partly just being really lucky, uh, being at, at really good places, but uh, I feel I start to look at myself differently if I pay too much attention to that, and then I realize like now I'm not now, now I'm not focusing on the right stuff anymore. Now I'm 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 trying to define myself as a professional woman instead of just defining myself as a professional. Right, right. Say, you know, end of story, and that's the, the latter is really what I want to do. I don't want to be considered as well. She's really successful as a woman in in mm-hmm. what she's doing. Like I'm not interested of any of that. I I I I want to be considered to my abilities and my skills and my achievements as a person and as a business professional, and that's it. Yeah, it should be irrelevant. Yeah. I like how you said that earlier. Yeah. It really should be irrelevant. Irrelevant age, gender, uh, background, yeah. ethnicity, religion, yeah. whatever it is. It should be about you know the hard work and yeah. the curiosity and the wanting to learn and help yeah and i think it's part society and it's often part internal yes i know there's in my mind there's things of cynthia why is that bothering you or get over that uh, so there's it's part that i need to work on myself but there's part society so um how do we get beyond that and work together to get beyond that whether or not we be that pit bull or we can find other yeah. ways and maybe that's her natural state and that works for her yeah no which exactly. is good yeah right. exactly that's right. why i said that maybe that's you know my analysis and and that, that 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 might be true or not but that's that's my observation of the situation and i think talking about it helps to get it you know those those situations those thoughts and feelings get it out which really goes back to again what you do for your job and business and a lot of the things that you said today talking about whether it's those ideas issues or business what you do to help the companies that you work with and i think again this is business but it's also personal growth so much of what you said you know things like uh i I started down here building trust the foundation of future success is really laid in that building of trust whether it's you know again personal or business and i'm sure that's what your collaborative strategies is doing is going in to build trust to get people to open up and get to the heart of the matter so you can truly get to the best decision or mm-hmm. path. Um, knowing, I wrote down knowing the other side, you mentioned when the company came in and and they really needed to understand how, how do the Finnish people think? How are and they? Value- how do they think? <laughs> yeah, what are these creatures? They value transparency. So, yeah. you know, again, in business and conversations and relationships, trying to understand the other person's side of the story, the other company, country's side of the story. You talked about a set of choices. So much of our life is a set of choices and ask a lot of questions to lay out those good choices, but then you have choices at the end of the day. But it sounds simple. It's not like, yeah, no, like you said, it sounds simple and it very often is is is, is not. And uh, no, that's that's really, yeah, that's really good. And maybe like, from the perspective of what I do right now here at, at, at Collaborative Strategies, I um, 
I found it a very unique position to work with a lot of so we're industry ag agnostic. We work with all kinds of businesses and all kinds of nonprofits as well. But personally, I've found it really um, interesting to work with these manufacturing businesses, kind of mid-market manufacturing businesses here in the area and larger, uh, either around the Midwest or uh, throughout nationwide. Um, I think they're in a very pivotal situation right now. A lot of them, uh, they... Like the industrial revolution is, we've been talking about this for quite a long time, the whole industry 2.0s and all kinds of how AI can change the industrial processes and all that. And it's been in the talks for a very long time. I feel that right now we're finally starting to be there and we have a lot of manufacturing businesses that are still kind of traditional. They've been like that for a very long time. They are right now either you know, facing some of those external shocks that I talked earlier, or maybe they are family businesses or some through some other mechanism, they are at the brink of um, leadership transition right now. So anyway, they might be in these, so to say, trans like change, at the brink of change from several perspectives. And I think the way they will define their futures is, is, is very important at this very moment, because there's so much, there's so many opportunities in the industrial world. Like, if we think about, like, at a larger scale of what's going on in the society, like, we need to be able to do something with, with the climate crisis, for instance. And there's a lot of things that we as consumers should and could do, but, but really where the, the big change potential is, I think a lot of that is in the industries and in 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 these manufacturing businesses for instance and and defining redefining some of the processes and redefining some of the industries and redefining like something that happens with energy or or something that happens with uh with with whatever manufacturing or or you know aerospace or or these kind of industries and and that's what I am really fascinated right now, that I have this opportunity to work with these businesses and see some of these changes and hopefully even somehow affect these changes through these executives. Of course, it's, you know, it's their businesses, they're not my <laughs> businesses, but as an advisor, being part of this process, process is, 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 is very valuable and it's, 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 what, it's what gets me up from bed nowadays. Well, it's probably a lot of personally, professionally redefining what you think you knew was true with all of these things in front of us that are going to are going to be a shock. Let's yeah. go back to that. Be a shock to the system, internal or external. For those who are ready or have already had that shock and now realizing we have three three weeks to launch and we've taken it as far as we can <laughs> and we need help. We need collaborative strategies. We need Ida. Somebody. Yeah. yeah. How do they find you, get a hold of you? Uh, and, and are there any specific types of country co countries, companies, industries that stick out to you that would be the type that would maybe want to give you a call uh, and just see more about the services you provide and if it's the right fit? Well, um, um, I guess the best way to to find me is is either through through LinkedIn or or through uh, a, a collaborative strategies is website and there's a there's a profile profile of me over there if like 
I'm uh, if, if like my background is is of, of of interest as like as in what kind of an advisor I can be. So that's that. Um, like said, we at Collaborative we are industry agnostic, meaning we work with all kinds of businesses um, because we are located here. Our office is in the pair. Uh, we 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 have a lot of history and background here by the way we we go like decades back and uh, we have worked with a lot of the area manufacturing because there is a lot of manufacturing here uh so it's a, it's been kind of like a natural natural match uh, uh so to say and uh, very often we work with privately owned companies we work with fa- a lot of family businesses and right now succession is a big thing we have a lot of whole lot of family businesses that are going through some kind of a succession so for example if 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 there are if they're having any kinds of leadership changes or any kind of like a family succession and next generation starting to take more responsibility i think that's a perfect timing to maybe look us up and and see if there's anything we could do always like said again going back to this i keep repeating same stuff but it it, it can and and i feel that it very often really is about the external factors so so it doesn't have to be that something happens in the leadership uh to be the reason to start a strategy process i think it could be even a better better starting point to kind of look out from the window and understand that hey we're not our we feel that our competitive field has changed for instance we feel that we're not playing in the field where we used to play it or we feel that something's happening with our customers like they they're not their buying frequency has changed or or we 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 have new new set of customers and we don't really know who they are or there's a lot of consolidation movement going on with my with our our customers now we have like three big firms who only buy from us and 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 we sense that there's some sort of risk in that or it might be that something's happening with the suppliers in manufacturing obviously that has been a huge issue lately uh, everything that we've had with the with the chain and 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 all the supply chain issues and all the raw material issues and all the price shocks and with raw materials like uh, uh, all the massive shock that happened with, with with steel some some time ago for instance to take one example of, of raw materials so anything like that and 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 even like having this kind of um larger transformation in mind of like um let's take digital transformation as an example we are a company who's been manufacturing some sort of like say equipment to uh manage and control uh pressure in gas pipes totally making this up right now some sort of equipment to 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 manage something that's going on with the piping, for instance, and and that's been our bread and butter. We we manufacture these, we we assemble them, and we distribute them, and and now we have this vision of adding all kinds of technological components into our our meters, and they we want to create an analysis business we want to use algorithms to um, create analysis, and we want to you know create another revenue stream out of that 
So that means that we're moving from manufacturing something into adding a service component. And not only a service component, that means adding labor, but actually adding a technological component. And that can be a whole different company, like in terms of valuation, mm-hmm. for instance, if this is uh, some sort of an exit type of a situation, if they'd managed to uh, actually implement all the technology and they are looking for an exit, say, in, in, in X amount of years, uh, the the multiple is going to be something very much different than what it would be for the for the company that manufactures you know things and stuff. So those all can be uh, examples of reasons to you know take the phone and put your buying pants on and call us. <laughs> <laughs> buying pants, I like it. So collaborative strategies, the their their own website. Yeah, you're also on LinkedIn. Yeah, clearly you connected yeah. with us, and you're looking to connect with more people out there in the community and build a network. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing right now. I it's- am looking into networking and and just kind of understanding who is who and 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 getting a better picture of of the area businesses and of of the of the area people and and learning and challenging myself. <laughs> and in the notes on the podcast website, you'll see how Ida Martikainen, mm-hmm. so that right, is, yeah. is spelled in case you want to go out there yes. and look for her from that perspective. So thank you for joining us today, not only from, I think, a lot of personal uh, advice and growth tips that people can take, even though we were talking about strategy change strategy it also in my mind transcends over to changing yourself and getting better so a lot of good information there and just some additional insight of moving to st louis coming from europe and finland and and what that's like so thank you for coming today and being so willing and reaching out and sharing your story with a perfect stranger but not anymore (laughs) yeah exactly not anymore this like said like i think i may First thing I said in the beginning of this was that this is a very special way to get to know to a new person. And that's what this this clearly has been. So thanks for having me. And, and this was a very pleasant conversation. And hopefully it can be insightful for others as well. Thank you, Edith. Oh, thank you. This concludes another episode of the She Lift Project podcast. To hear more episodes of the show, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And to learn more about our mission of helping women reach higher levels of success, visit sheliftproject.com and sign up to receive the latest news, ebooks, videos, and more.